You're listening to the Teletext R Podcast, the internet's best and only podcast about CFAX, Prestel, Videotext, Televideo, and all things Teletext. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Teletext Sofa Club livestream. I'm Dan, and we're going to have a good old-fashioned Teletext R Podcast-style episode. I've missed those where me and Carl just sit here and we talk for a little bit about what's been going on in the world of Teletext. Carlos, hello. can you hear me? You're right. Yes. Hello, Carl. I how can, are you? I, how are you? I'm okay. How are you? Yeah, no, I'm all right, mate. I'm all right. It's uh, been a long time since uh, we've done this last. I don't know how long ago. Ages ago. It was after the last block party, mm. wasn't it? And we did like a party call with everybody jumping on chipping in with their opinions on the block party so it's good to have you back for a proper edition of the teletext sofa club yeah thanks for having us mate it wouldn't be the same without you <laughs> i don't know about that so uh, who have we got online at the moment then we got people from abroad land but all over the world yes all over the world we are teletext international today yes love it teletext sofa club international incidentally i was wondering regarding the name teletext sofa club how many people out there are actually watching on their sofa because as you can see we're in the teletext studio here and i'm not sitting on a sofa what about you carl now i'm sitting in a chair at the moment teletext chair club teletext like i'm sitting in my office by myself club teletext chair club teletext chair club now I'm sitting in a chair. Tonight, we're going to be talking a little bit about the Teletext demo scene, as well as some of the other stuff that's been going on recently. So demo scene is a place, famously, where people go and set up their old computers and their BBSs and all sorts of things. And actually, was it EMF camp? Yes, EMF camp. Somebody set up a proper telephone system, a little analog telephone system that works only from the party, from the field. There was also a fax machine. Oh, we should have a look at some of the faxes that were sent because they were a lot of fun. Hopefully they weren't X-rated. Thomas Burvith is here. Hello, Thomas, from Denmark. So it truly is an international edition. Thomas, can I ask, do you have demo parties and demo scene stuff over in Denmark? And what's the biggest party that you have? Well, what about you, Carl? Apart from the block party, have you been to any other demo scene parties? No, I haven't actually. Teletext was my only um, in into it. When I started doing the art and stuff like that, I think Simon said to me, are you on the demo scene? I said, no, I don't think I am. The only thing I knew about demo parties and all that was reading the scrollers on the bottom of copied Amiga games and copied Commodore 64 games. They were always talking about um, demos and demo scene. Yes, the old cracked games. And it would say stuff like, greets. Cortex your... rule. Yeah. Cortex rule. Yes, with your copy of Pirates. And then there would be some cheats or something. Would you like infinite lives? Yes or no? And then yes. the game wouldn't work <laughs> because it was incorrectly cracked. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, it would just like break on you. So yeah, that was always good fun. But uh, yeah, no, that, that, that was my thing. What about you, Dan? Were you ever involved with anything like this? People in rooms? I'm trying to think. I must have been to at least one, but I can't think of it off the top of my head. I've been to a few things. I've been to play Expo. I guess that doesn't really count. It's more of a retro games thing. Thomas mm. says, Thomas Bovitt says, we used to have lots of LAN parties here. Didn't go myself too much, unfortunately. But the Amiga scene was huge here. 
Now, that's an interesting point because in different countries, they tended towards different systems. What are we in the UK? Are we C64, BBC Micro? What would you say, Carl? Specky? Uh, yeah, BBC Micro, but I think it was Atari ST, really, over here, wasn't it? Or, or am I going to upset the Amiga bunch by doing that? But yeah, I'll say the demo scene belonged to the Atari ST in, in, in the UK. Certainly for Teletext, it's mostly BBC Micro, isn't it? Mode 7. And there have been lots and lots of demos made with Mode 7. At least... Bad Apple. Bad yeah. Apple was bloody good, which I found on my YouTube channel. I was doing a clean-up, and I found Bad Apple on there. That's had a few views. That's quite good. Although email has become the predominant means of communication on the web, the need to send or receive a fax is still essential. Faxes are sent and received over your phone line, much like a normal telephone call, and are not sent through your internet provider unless you have a special service. So your fax device will need to connect to your phone line, even if you have a broadband internet connection. Yeah, so more about the uh, demo scene, the teletext demo scene. Tell us more about these faxes and things like that, Daniel. So we're interested to know about that. Yes, so I think it was QTEL on Twitter, which is at CU underscore telecom, who set up a fax machine at EMF camp. Oh, here we go. EMF facsimile. Facsimile. It's easy for me to say. EMF is over. Thank you for faxing. Oh, very good. Yes. Well, yeah, we're going to start from the end. And start from the, the end, beginning. yeah. It ended really well. Yes. So did they actually have the EMF playing there as well? And uh, <laughs> and, and then when they, when they read the faxes out, they go, oh, that sounds so unbelievable. Unbelievable, yes. Top secret. Hey, Barry. GCHQ logins you wanted. You could actually call that uh, one how to suck at sending a fax as well, couldn't you? I'm waiting for a cock and balls. Well, probably they're going to come up. Oh, what's that? Knots oh, <laughs> and crosses. There's a solution. Yeah. <laughs> was it Knots and crosses for idiots? It's just one line with a circle and a cross either side. So, do you want to know a story about faxes? Ready for the first story? You can upvote this in the Discord. I worked for a government department, for the want of a better word, that delivered health equipment. I used to work closely with the NHS. They were sending faxes to each other, and they still send a form of fax to each other, although they have the computers now convert it. I don't work there anymore, so it may have changed in the last five years. But they wouldn't do it over email. It still had to be over fax. And the reason is that fax had to go over a BT-approved line. Therefore, if it was intercepted, whoever was intercepting it could get done under the uh, Wireless and Telegraphy Act. So when people were coming in and going, oh, that's a little bit old-fashioned, isn't it, using a fax machine? And right up to about 10 years ago in this very office, I used to have a fax machine in it, similar jobs through. Oh, and that okay. was the reason why it's, it's a system that's illegal to tap into. Once you get to the realms of computers and second and third party actors, it gets very convoluted. As, as we know, if you intercept some data that's actually outside that, if you look at that telephone cable as a pipe, any water that leaks out of that belongs to the water company. But the moment the water gets everywhere else via different means, you can't prosecute. So that's why the NHS always used to, or still do in some cases, use outdated technology. That's all I have to say about that, Dan. Basically, because it's not caught up. The legislation hasn't caught up with the technology. I, I, well, I think it's just convenient. Obviously, they kept that technology in place. But also, if you're caught trying to intercept anything from a telephone line, you're definitely up to no good. Even to this day, I've not even heard of any Chinese hacking an NHS fax system. 
Um, yeah. But every other day you hear about, well, I mean, you know, today the NHS COVID passport app's gone down, which is brilliant because I'm going on holiday in two days and half my family needs to download it. And we don't know why that's gone down. If we had it faxed to us, it wouldn't happen, would it? Wouldn't happen. Yeah, we need to go back to fax machines, don't we? Mr. Clown says, yes, this is why they still use faxes to securely send medical documents here. Yeah, well, we've talked about this on previous podcasts, haven't we? Beepers and pages. Pages, yep, yeah. exactly. Yeah, yeah. They still use them in hospitals, don't they? Yep, government departments still use them. You can, you could, if you wanted to, listen at 153.5 megahertz and decode these paging messages, which are, which are still there, but there's not an awful lot there now. It's also illegal, isn't it? It's illegal to actually uh, use the information that you've decoded. Oh, so, so you, you can yeah. read it. It's legal to read it. Uh, yeah, well... Yeah, yes and no, isn't it? It's like you you shouldn't be reading it. And then the last thing you should be doing after that is telling your mates the telephone number for the Guardian journalist that's got to meet the guy in the Department of Transport on the Sunday, which is what the nature of a lot of the paging was. But I think even that's changed because the last time any friends of mine done that, it was at least like five years ago. So that may have changed a bit now, to be fair. Well, hold on a sec. What was that? Hello. 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 Hello, yes. Welcome oh, to the Sofa Club. Sofa Club, yes. <laughs> it's, it just reminded me that I had my phone here because I think I can see a phone in the background of your screen now. We've both it's a got 746. Seven, a GPO 746 or something like that, that is. So it all still works, but I don't have 50 volts coming into the house anymore. It's all done on the uh, dust handy. So it's all yeah. taken care of that way. Yeah, it's a shame, isn't it? But I, I sort of inherited this phone. Because it was used, or was supposed to be used in an escape room that we had set up in Wigan. Oh, it's not Kingston Communications one, is it? They're uh, not net. No, yeah. it isn't. But it says uh, dial three seven eight four on it. All right, that's the nuclear codes, mate. I'd, I wouldn't do that if I were you. We're going to go live now to Carl at the football. And you see a picture of a guy on the phone going. Yes, and it's Bristol Rovers two, Bradford Park Avenue one. Oh, yeah, we'll, we'll do one of them um, stupid Twitter nostalgia things. <laughs> Only if you're over 40, you know how to use that. Oh, this, now this is a noise. It's yes. very inefficient, isn't it? Imagine if your number was 000000. It would take forever to dial. That's all done on pulses, isn't it? So the governor will send the pulse down the line. People always used to say, they say, well, why can't you just dial... One, one, one for um, the emergency services because it'd be quicker. But instead, you're doing nine, nine, nine. And for the benefit of those in the United States, nine, one, one, I'd guess. But the thing is similar. And the idea is that when you had the overhead lines and they used to bang in the winds, they actually used to make one crack. So all you needed was the wind to crack three times against the wires and it would have dialed the emergency services. So for it to happen nine times consecutively never happened. That's why we did 999 over here. Oh, okay. That's interesting. Do you think it happened once in like Probably. 10 bajillion calls in between the years 1960 and 1999? Yes. yes, I reckon that. And they went out there and it was like to uh, Maximilian Hedrum <laughs> Network 23... 20 minutes into the future. 
Mr. Clown says, Operator, give me extension 3874. My finger is injured. Operator, all of my fingers and appendages. Operator. What do you get if you dial four six seven eight nine two four six five two four six five two four six five two one? A bent appendage, a sore finger. Hi, yes, <laughs> very good. Hold Hello, on. operator. Get me the Teletech Sofa Club. Hey, see, get me the Teletech Sofa Club now. Already. Here, can we access page three hundred two on this phone? Teletext page three hundred two. Let's let's dial it and see. That no, didn't work. Oh, someone just come through on this. It's five five four four four. Did you see yes. that? That the BBC are getting rid of the classified football scores on Radio Five Live. That is absolute shame. That's going the same way as the ship. Well, you know they ain't got rid of ship forecast yet. No one's got a boat, have they? We all like <laughs> football. And I'm going to get rid of that. Oh, Avro Volkanov just read what you've put here, and, it, and it, yeah, you you got to guess the show. Emergency services aren't on 999 anymore. Didn't you see the ad? The new number is 0118-999-8819-919-927273. Well, at least it's catchy. <laughs> That's um, If you watch It Crowd, you'd, you'd, I think you'd get that. <laughs> yeah, it's very good. Sarah said that the problem with the fax machines is that the faxes physically pile up on the floor if you don't deal with them. Touch it once, Sarah. Once across the desk in the bin, but you used to get those adverts as well, didn't you? Like people used to spam you. You remember the fax spam? Do you remember fax spam? I worked at um, a dealer and we used to get all the orders from the local authorities for all the equipment and fax. You just go, fax is going, you get it because it was like a phone fax, so it's like yeah. you didn't know. You always knew it was a fax, but you could pick it up. And anyway, you go, it's coming through, it's coming through. And it'll come through, you know, and you're thinking, oh, this is London Borough of so and so, they're going to order a bloody big bit of kit off us, like that. And it, and it wasn't, it was like holidays, it was like <laughs> it was like holiday offers and things like that, really. And get rich quick schemes that was always annoying. So, yeah, spam's been quite ubiquitous. A scammer's uh, saying that your great uncle Carlos has died and he's left you five million dollars. Well, that's because he knows about Max Hedrum. Ah, yes. In fact, all the faxes were from Max Hedrum. <laughs> yeah, they were blip faxes. So <laughs> they're telling you what you needed before you actually needed it. We can't reinstate flipperts. They're lethal. You know that. That hasn't been proven. Flipperts are killing people. Some. Maybe. I'm going to reinstate flipperts. And that is final. All the bullseye winners had um, <laughs> boats, and they needed a shipping forecast. I stand corrected, Terry. Yeah, that's right. I've had problems um, around my way with boats at local marina. They've just realised that all these people during lockdown bought boats <laughs> because they were allowed to go sailing in lockdown, but they never actually did. And they're going out without marine radios. They're getting nicked left, right and centre <laughs> out, out at sea. They're causing mayhem out on the open seas. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but Channel 16, the Coast Guard, yeah, they're having a rail field day. They've got one policeman in the area who's got a boat, actually Marine Police. He's kept very busy. Does he still have teletext on his TV on the boat? 
Well, there is a form of teletext, isn't there, on the um, on the marine thing? There's the marine. Um, I think in America it's WeFax, but that's not the same term. But you can get a printout of the weather forecast that used to come through on a fax simile transmission, and I think that's still a thing. I'm just blown away by the plethora of technology. Literally, this stuff is amazing, hmm. and to think it all runs via phones. Yeah. So the greatest invention must be phones, I guess, yeah. in a way. Uh, well, or radio. I think radio is probably... No, no, no. Second best after teletext. After teletext, yeah. Um, yeah, the teletext our podcast. Is it? Yeah. No, no, it's, it's a fun diversion. It's very much related, isn't it, the phone yeah. to teletext? And well, uh, how you used to be able to dial up on your BBSs. Very, very, yeah. very related technologies, I feel. Well, I think the thing is with the uh, teletext side of it is that it actually um, it became an honest broker into people's lives. It introduced people who wouldn't necessarily have a bent for technology into these things. When people are dialing in on a BBS, which um, I never did back in the day, the need for information and all that was probably fueled by the fact you could demand information at home just on the television. People might have described things as, well, it's a bit like teletext, you know. But the thing is with a BBS, you can actually converse back. It speaks back at you. It can call you a, a lamer and, um, <laughs> and, and, and and cut you off. <laughs> but I had a go at BBS the other day because I've got um, a plug-in for the Commodore 64 where I can actually just get back on BBSs. And my God, that is hard work. Really hard work. I mean, you know, we got it so easy with the internet now and Discord servers and things. With the BBS, when you bang the menu back up again, if you don't know the shortcuts, you're starting all over again. I wanted to read messages and you have to start right at the beginning and you have to go right away through to get to the one and you leave a reply in there, never find it again. And I thought, well, blow that. I'll just write letters and, uh, <laughs> you know, but, you know, you're just putting in sort of things like, is it raining where you are? <laughs> and then forward slash M, bang. <laughs> but, yeah, there were some really good conversations on there, but none from me. I often wondered what people talked about on the, the same with ham radio. You might connect to somebody in the States and say, uh, Hello, I'm speaking from uh, Essex here. Uh, where are you? I'm in Los Angeles, yes. How's the weather? Not that. It's 1pm over here. It's 7am over here. And then what is that? <laughs> is that all you talk about? Because I guess it's more the novelty of it. With the ham radio, when you're running on those particular wavelengths, it's the chameleon achievement of actually just getting over there on as little power as possible. Yeah. There's always a joke amongst radio hams. The Italians always use like a million watts just to speak to each other next door because they're quite unregulated and uh, they've always got like the reputation of, you know, having the burners on and everything like that. But the art of it is using just enough to get to where you need to go. So what would happen is if you're actually calling what they say CQ out and then, and then someone comes back, depending on what frequency you use, they might say, oh, we'll go to a different frequency and then start talking. But you'd normally say where you are in the world, what equipment you're using, what power you're using. And then the other person comes back and says that as well. And then they might speak a little bit about what they do. And then they'll just log it. They'll put it in their logbook. They'll look you up on a, um, they'll look your call sign up on a, on a site normally like it's called QRZ. And then they'll find out that you're genuine and you're not a pirate or you're not running a fake call sign. And then you'll go in the log. They have contests. People have contests and go all over the world or just all over the country. Look at the web forecast to see how, where their signal's going to go at what time of the day. So you can get Australia at certain times of the day. 
other times of the day, you know, as the sun's going down, the troposcopic movement just moves you elsewhere. But I never really got into that. I never had a twig big enough for that. I, I, I played with different modes, but don't do ham as much as, as I did. But yeah, that, that's what they do. So it's basically getting in touch and saying what you're using, which is, I guess that's where old BBS used to be. You know, you just sort of get in and you speak to someone, you go, all oh, right, yeah. yeah. So what are you using then? Oh, I'm timesharing on this particular big hulk at a weekend, you know, and then someone else the next weekend would pick that message up at a different university. And okay. so it was all... It was an instantaneous messaging, and I guess ham radio offered the next level up from that. We get a direct response to whatever you were saying. Yeah. Well, what I wanted to know is, in your experience of ham radio, which we've not talked a lot about, actually, on this show. We have. We've talked about it loads. Um, <laughs> so did people used to record podcasts or radio shows and things via ham radio? Right. So my knowledge of it is that you're not actually allowed to broadcast on ham. So what I mean by that is if it was just us two talking to each other and everyone was listening, that was fine because I'm speaking to you and addressing you then. And then you'd go, yeah, okay, then, Carl, but we'd use call signs every now and again. But if I broke the conversation off and said, oh, and to anybody else that's listening out there, the, the weather's lovely. That's broadcasting, and that's not actually a part of your license. Oh. Um, you need a special license to do that. And like, there are particular people that are allowed to do that. But they might broadcast news pertaining to hams on a certain frequency on a Sunday, and people can listen in. And that's a broadcast license. So the difference between broadcasting and, and actually just a two, three, four, five-way communication is different because you're addressing the people that you're actually speaking to. Whereas like Ken Bruce on the radio would say, oh, and tonight it's Popmaster and he doesn't really know who he's addressing, you know, and, yeah. and that's the that's the nuance. Okay. But you could have like a three or four way conversation if everybody mm. joined in, as long as you don't pretend that it's a radio broadcast and say, yeah. does anybody want to call in? You can do that. That's fine. But what you can't do is just sort of like speak at people that you don't know who are listening. I mean, people do do it. I mean, what they might say is at the end of the net, they might say, oh, and a special hello to all you listeners out there, referring to people who may be too shy to come on. And then that will bring a rapport up for next time to let people know that the net that they're listening to is friendly or something like that. But um you can't just do a podcast like a reaction video or something like that. You can't do one of them on the radio for people to listen to. You'd actually need to be on a broadcast band to do that. Okay. Well, it's complicated, isn't it? Because we're fine to do something like this and we can do whatever the heck we want without a broadcast license. Now, I just remembered something and the guys in Discord would know more about this than I do. But in certain countries, if you are a, a streamer, and you have more than 200 viewers, 200 regular viewers, you have to have a broadcast license. Specifically, Germany, it's coming to my mind, where if you go over that amount, then you can be fined or prosecuted or something like that, or, or they want you to pay for a broadcast license. So I guess we can count ourselves lucky that we live in one of the countries where as many people can listen as we... Well, we're we quite like. lucky we don't have 200 viewers. <laughs> well, we don't, do we? So we would be okay in Germany, wouldn't <laughs> we'd be, we? We'd be fine. We're completely legal in Germany. No, yeah, exactly. And it, and because that, that must be really difficult if you're doing like a YouTube stream or something like that and you get loads of people come on, I guess you just need to have that license just to say that you're not a fanatic or you're not going to spread hate or something like that which i guess would be quite good for that wouldn't it i guess that's a good sort of mark of quality in this day and age the most controversial 
people always get the views and mm. that'll be because either you hate to hear what they've got to say so uh, so all the DJs always say, don't they? It's the people that yeah. hate us that give us the listening figures. You know, it's uh, people who couldn't care less about us. Don't listen, don't tune in. You've either got to be like much maligned or, or much adored, I guess. Teletext holiday facts. Get the latest Teletext overseas holiday and flight offers faxed to you in one quick go. Updated throughout the day, 24 hours a day, seven days a week. 081 Dial from a telephone link to a fax machine. Cost 39p per minute cheap, 49p per minute other. This service may involve a long call. Teletext Fax Bag. Get the latest UK Teletext offers faxed to you in one quick go. Updated throughout the day, 24 hours a day, 7 days a week. Simply dial 0891-66 from a telephone on the same line as a fax machine. Updated Monday to Friday. Calls cost 39p per minute cheap, 49p per minute other. This service may involve a long call. Well, we mentioned the EMF camp earlier and I believe Teletext did crop up there. They ran a view data terminal. It was a technically Teletext, isn't it? which was pretty cool. They ran Nextel, I do believe, the Nextel system. And then more recently, we had a Teletext competition, didn't we? Let's see, the most recent demo party that we had was Nova Party. Now, if you remember, Nova Party has a bit of a history with Teletext. It always has a Teletext category. Is this the Argentine one? Oh, this is Budley Salterton basically where you go and camp out in a field a little bit like emf camp yeah so the, the nova nova load i want to say because that's always remember that the commodore 64 nova load you can crack it with an action replay part cartridge apparently oh, actually re- yeah, action replay partridge aha yeah. ah. <laughs> you pirates <laughs> yeah you horror, horror. Horror. You pirate yeah. yeah so the, did anybody enter the teletexting for that particular uh, uh, festival Yes, they did. And in fact, they had quite a lot of entries across all of the competitions. ASCII, 4K executable graphics. Wow. 4K? (laughs) Old school, new school. But also we had seven entries in the Teletext comp. Right, so here's the number one entry, which is a fantastic Vaporwave-style image. What does this say here? No. Oh, it says Enjoy Nova 22. Yeah, like Enjoy Coca-Cola. But I like the separated graphics that we've got going mm-hmm. on here. And of course, we've got Bamboozle at the bottom. Bamboozle always has to be there. Yes. There's also been a fantastic demo created by... I'm going to have to find it. There's I'll say fantastic... that's pretty hard to pronounce, isn't it, Dan? I'm going to have to find <laughs> it. Yes, that's the name. It's from... <laughs> Try spelling that. It's what he do? Just like when he sent the entry and just put his head on the keyboard. Was that Donald Duck? <laughs> what? Uh, so it's Alex Gruper's 420 Years of Teletext. Ah, um, I think I see a bit of this on uh, Twitter. Did you tweet some of this? I can't remember. I've seen some of this, but yeah. This was a fantastic recreation of Teletext. I'm not sure how quite how they did this, but there's a big FAQ that outlines everything, every step that they went through to get Teletext running on the Amiga, I think. 
They've got some green screen stuff on there. Scrollers, loads of scrollers and uh, the greets, all sorts of things. Evoke. I believe that was it. Evoke. And it came second. 420 years of teletext. Well, let's, let's have a go and try and get it to run. I'll get out of town. So there it was. Sorry, ladies and gentlemen, if that was a bit jerky on Zoom, but Zoom simply cannot keep up with the immense power of Teletext on the Amiga. Yes. All those colors fly by so spectacularly, like a, a disco or something. That was my favorite part. It was just absolutely brilliant. It just blew my mind. We need to do one of them every time for one of these podcasts or sofa clubs because that was just excellent. It's the first time I've seen that throw and it was just absolutely awesome. There was humour in it. The soundtrack was brilliant and it was all synced in with the visuals. Brilliant. It's all outputting on a like cathode ray tube as well. It's just excellent. The amount of time that they must have put into that three or four months with two or three or four people weren't you really with that all the ideas the animation coming in as well it's sort of like you'll get your first three or four frames just right the other two and a half thousand that you need for like six or seven minutes of footage yeah i know it's just brilliant absolutely brilliant kudos to those guys so who were they then for the full credit uh well the group together is known as attention whore i believe and bod did the music Alistair Buxton gets a shout-out as well mm-hmm. for his Raspberry software. Oh, and I think Alex is on the group. Yeah, Alex Group's just come on. He, he thanks everybody. I'll tell you what, Alex, that, that is absolutely oh. bloody brilliant. He's on the YouTube chat, and that was amazing. So, Alex, how long did that take? We need to know. Alex says, Amiga was the initial idea, then I got sidelined with prototyping. The demo is running in real time on a Raspberry Pi. As Carl said, the humor's fantastic. There are so many references in there as well. Little technical marvels that mm. take their own individual skills, like the pixel art. There's a lot of nods there to people who know a little bit about Teletext. There's a lot of Teletext humor in there. Uh, there's a lot of like Teletext facts as well, which I quite like about Einstein. Thomas Burvith says, very well done on the demo. Wholeheartedly agree. It's got to be up there with one of the best Teletext demos, if not the best one. But it's, it's sad, really, that you only got second place with that, Alex, because it deserved to win. You're listening to the Teletext Star Podcast, where Teletext lives forever. Okay, right. so... Okay, so, what we, so what's next on the old agenda? Ah, well, we do not have an agenda, but I think we should chat some more about Teletext. What's been happening in the world of Teletext recently, then? Well, there is some news. 
we do have a, another Digifest coming up, and I think it's going to be a weekender from our wee friend there, Hair Biffo, and I think he's planning on doing an overnight one or something like that. Oh. But there's more details to follow, and I think it's going to be crowdfunded, so there's more details to follow on that. And um, ever since I've not attended any, he's done really well. I'm looking forward to saying I'm going to go and right up to the last minute not go and give away with my ticket against someone else. But yeah, I'm not sure where it's going to be yet, but there's that. Other Teletext developments would be... We've had Matty's birthday and you sent some artwork over to wish him well for that, which he was very grateful for. Yes, we made him some surprise Teletext artwork for his birthday. Sort of miniature art pack, if you will, hosted here on 16 Colours. Thank you very much, guys. It's a little tribute to Mr. Teletext himself, Matty Ramo. And you'll be pleased to know that some of that might well be shown on Wiley Text in October because it's going to be the 41st anniversary of Wiley Text and a lot of those artworks are going to be shown. I think they should fly us over to uh, Finland. Oh yeah, well actually, I'll tell you about a dream I had. Around about the time that we were putting together Matty's artworks, I dreamt that I was invited over to Finland to see Matty's place of work, his office. And it seemed an awful lot like a British school, but it had thousands and thousands of steps that you had to climb up to get to his office. I'm talking about it as if I really went to the office, but it was just a dream. He had a little broom cupboard office because Teletext is downscaling these days. I thought it was tidy and he had a lot of brooms. (laughs) He's a a curler. He does curling at the Olympics, at the Winter Olympics. He does his cycling (laughs) in the summer and his curling in the winter. All oh, right, okay, and and that was the dream, was it? I guess that was like, yes, yeah. <laughs> well, I guess it's sort of like um, a dream is just a huge picture, isn't it, in your mind? That's what I reckon, and and your rapid eye movement is just looking at various elements. Yeah. So it's not like a moving image as such, but it's just you're looking at this picture. You're looking at a landscape of things that have happened in the day, or or your thoughts. Yes. So you were dream you were dreaming about Matty. That is the thing. And you were dreaming about Finland. So you're either working on some artwork or um he occupies your thoughts more than you actually know. Uh no comment. Just rewinding just a little bit of um not seriousness, but you meet all these interesting people that you wouldn't have met unless you had an interest in teletext. We all come in it from different angles, but Matty's a really nice bloke. And I wouldn't have known him without working together on Teletext products or submitting artwork to him for collaboration. So, yeah, that, that's nice. That is nice. Yeah. Matty is very prominent on Twitter and he posts a lot of new Teletext art that's been uploaded to Wiley. There's a special section for the Museum of Teletext art and also classic artworks from the history of Wiley text. So you can go and view that now online. Well, now, ZX Gesser has said on the Discord, he's, he wants to tell us all about his secret teletext things, but he doesn't because he wants to keep it a secret. So there's obviously something going on there. One thing I noticed on that when I was on my internet sabbatical, he did that audio tell project. He found the codec that was in the top of the vertical blanking interval that actually was the forerunner to audio description. And that was like ghost voices. Yeah. <laughs> 
I know, but it was utterly astonishing because mm. this is the first time, I guess, a few of us or a lot of us would have seen something like this. It's like the TV is talking to you through teletext. <laughs> it's like a poltergeist. You imagine that though, like if um, Colin said he recorded a message going, I'll be back home in five minutes late. And that was the hidden message that he gave to his missus. And it was actually just in audio. You know, all voice and so really rude. I'll be home five minutes late, see? <laughs> you hear me, see? You hear me? You hear me, see? Audio tell. Oh, it's Alistair Buxton. Yeah, Alistair Buxton actually done it. And, and it is absolutely amazing. Astonishing so, yeah. stuff. But that's just next level stuff, isn't it? I mean, it's sort of like it goes to show that the discoveries are still there to be had. With teletext recovery, you're sort of thinking, oh, we've reached a critical mass. It's just a matter of now finding the recordings and we've got it done. No, there's another thing now we've now got to look at. All these experimental transmissions, and then we've got press fax transmissions. Then we've got syndicated secret transmissions that ITV were carrying for different services. All we need to do is just get these codecs discovered and uh, there's a whole wealth of information out there. And well, you know uh, what? We it, It's uh, completely useless. <laughs> but, well, but it's brilliant, isn't it? <laughs> well, yeah, yeah. That sort of tips the balance in our favour in terms of legality because I was going to go back to something we said earlier mm-hmm. about it being illegal to intercept these transmissions. But mm-hmm. since it was broadcast on a television, by a it television... broadcast, exactly. Mm-hmm. Yes, yeah, it's, it's brought and it's open game. You've got a license to to watch that television. You've got an entire well, is it an entitlement or a privilege? But either way, you've got use of that television to use it however you like. So yeah, everything on that is fair game. And if there's something on there that shouldn't have been on there, it will have to be discovered first. Because if a tree it falls down in a forest and you're not there to hear it, does it make a noise? So, uh, well, so. in terms of teletext. Not at the time, but 30 years later, when we recover it from a tape, is the answer. Mm-hmm. So yes. Avro's come up with, um, he says, uh, the end of October this year will mark 10 years since the end of analogue television, and therefore also broadcast teletext in the UK, which we can do something for, maybe. Yep. But the question is if we can get some British companies on board, so might have to pull some strings there. So, yeah, what British company would be interested in sort of commemorating the lamentation of a service? When is that? When we say that's at the end of October, isn't it? So hopefully one of these documentary things might be in progress for then as well, where we can start doing something for that or having that in process as well. So the idea is, just for everybody else, is um, that I'm hoping very early stages of just trying to do interviews more of a straight radio broadcast sort of thing it's not going to get sold or nothing like that it'll just probably just be hosted on this channel that i've set up by its high no limit channel and that's going to be hopefully where i'm going to try and do a range of serious topics but you know i'm actually going to try and write things down and script them and and interview people so uh, that's what i'm hoping to do but if life takes over then obviously it won't happen so i'm just doing Little things at a time. Bite high, no limits. Yeah, well, I've uploaded only one video and it's only a minute long. And that's just a placeholder, really. But going back to what uh, Nathan's saying, yeah, we really ought to have a think about that and try and definitely do something. Teletext are special or maybe something else or in conjunction with something else.
Anyway, we could talk all night, Carl, but mm. it's a school night, isn't it? So we should it is. head off. I have work tomorrow and everybody else has got things to do. You have to go and code rude things into fire alarms. Okay, well, thank you very much, everybody. And, thank you, and, everybody. Um, Kai and Ara, keep it blocky. Keep it blocky, indeed. Cheers, everybody. Tacog favel, as they say in the trade. What does that mean, Carl? Uh, goodbye and farewell. I think mean, it's Norwegian. It's uh, Tacog favel, I think. Good yes. nacht. Good nacht. Good nacht. Uh, keep it blocky. I don't know what that is in keep- German. Die Pixels. <laughs> Kunst. Pixel Kunst. I don't know. Yeah. Well, All right. Well, thank you very much for watching. Easy for tonight. you to say, Dan. Yeah. Lovely. Well, <laughs> I pick Pixel Kunst. Well, thank you for that, Carl. Thank you for joining me tonight. My co host, Mr. Carlos Atro. And thank you for watching. Fax holiday, no internet for a week or two. Pixel sunsets and blocky oceans, BD prints their subtitles too. I'm H302. We're going where the CRT shines bright. We're going where the cyan is blue. We've seen the pixel palm trees, so let's see if they're true. Everybody loves a CFAX holiday. Bed and breakfast in Blackpool. Run down guest house in Army Stone away in your garden for 522. Our sunny wagadoo-goop. Hazel dreams come true. We're going where the CRT shines bright. We're going where the cyan is blue. We've seen the pixel palm trees. So let's see if they're true. Do you remember CFAX holidays? Buying tickets at the crack of dawn. Endless coach tours in Outer Oblington. Glorious beaches of Avignon. We're not, not having you one. We're not having you one. <laughs> Do you remember Seabag's holidays? Buying tickets at the crack of dawn. Endless coastals in Elster Rockerton. Glorious beaches of Avignon. We're not having you on. Hmm. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Teletext Star Podcast. Special thanks to Leon Johnston, Max Headroom, and Mist Fike. Keep it blocky.